0: Welcome back to season two of Inside the Vault, Enterprise Bank's podcast series. As you know, education and awareness of issues affecting the small business community is an important part of the bank's relationship and consulting oriented approach with its clients. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to review and rate us on all of your popular podcast platforms. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at InsideTheVault at EnterpriseBankPGH.com. So I'm sitting down today with Kevin Shivers, President and CEO of the Pennsylvania Association for Community Bankers, to talk about an emerging industry in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, the medical marijuana industry. And today's conversation is entitled Let's Be Blunt, play on words, obviously, about uh, what's going on uh, in the industry and in particular, um, what some of the issues have been with the industry using the traditional banking system. But before I get into the the, the discussion about um, cannabis related uh, banking, Kevin, can you give us a little background on who PACB is and and your role there?
1: Absolutely. Dave, thank you for inviting me to come inside the vault and to talk with you about these issues. Uh, The Pennsylvania Association of Community Bankers uh, represents um, community banks across Pennsylvania, a typical bank in our membership has about $500 million in assets. Um, the distinction with a community bank, as you have been telling your uh, viewers, uh, is that these are local deposits that are then used locally to support private enterprise, to support home ownership to support uh, charitable work. Uh, and it's really about a culture. If, if there's a distinction between large banks and small banks, it's about that culture of giving back. Uh, so I have the greatest job in the world. Uh, where I have a chance to come out and meet some incredible bank leaders, people that are doing really incredible work in their communities. Enterprise Bank, you have such a proud track record of providing uh, and supporting entrepreneurial dreams. Uh, and in addition to that, supporting your local community. And, uh, you know, you should you should be credited uh, for the great work that all of your team uh, does.
0: Thanks for, for the kudos. We try. Um, and, and that's why this, this particular topic was, was of interest to us because as you know, and our viewers know, we deal almost exclusively with small businesses and we have a, you know, a already pretty significant portion of our small business, um, market involved even in an indirect way, in many cases with the cannabis industry and our hands have been somewhat tied in terms of what we can do to assist them in the way that we assist, you know, our normal small business clientele because of some of the firewalls and and issues that we're gonna talk about today. But before we get into the discussion, I wanted to, to give our viewers kind of a kind of an idea of what the scope of the industry is in, in Pennsylvania and what the climate is right now. So, you know, just turn 2022. Um, so we're really, Pennsylvania is really kind of in its sixth year of the whole um, uh, involvement with the industry. And it was 2016 uh, that it was signed uh, into legislation at the state and, level. And for a uh,
1: moment, if I could, Dave, and yeah. just interrupt you, I, I was at the Capitol when, when this historic legislation it was enacted. And this was really about giving patients all of the tools that they needed um, to improve their quality of life. Yeah. Um, whether you're suffering from uh, cancer, whether you were suffering from depression, whether you were suffering from, um, you know, a, a malady uh, that, uh, you know, cannabis could help to improve your quality of life, whether it gave you an appetite to be able to eat after the chemo treatments, whether you were able to take a medication uh, that would prevent seizures, Um And, you know, so we're not talking here in Pennsylvania about uh, opening the floodgate on recreational uh, marijuana. We're talking about a drug. And, you know, uh, this, I think, was a historic step at the time that Pennsylvania took to allow for the medical use of marijuana. Uh, We now have 42 states in the country who have some type of law. Um, But, yeah, this is where the challenge that you're talking about Hits is you know you've created as the government an industry to support a medication, uh, but there are a whole lot of complications now as a result of the the difference between federal and state law.
0: And I, and I think we do lose sight of that anytime you start talking about marijuana or cannabis. You know, everybody snickers, and you do clever subtitles like we're doing for this podcast episode. But it, you know, at the core, at the state level, right now, this is about um, medication. That's right. for health for health concerns so um you know the industry has just grown significantly so i mentioned 2016 everything was pretty much legislated to get through the licensing and in uh, all those qualifications and process i think it was 2018 when the first dispensaries opened and I, I pulled some some recent statistics um there's 131 dispensaries operating in in the state right now um there are 30 grower facilities involved in the state. But what I wasn't able to find, but what we see anecdotally here at Enterprise is a huge number of businesses that complement the industry. And um, some of those are exclusive complements or exclusive suppliers to the industry, whether they be software providers, whether they be transportation services, whatever they may be, or regular small businesses that saw this as a market opportunity that have started to serve the industry. And again, challenges, the challenges are there. And and that's really hard to even fathom for some consumers. You only
1: see the retail end when you walk into a store and you purchase a product, but you don't realize everything that goes into it. And and we're now facing it in in our society. We're dealing with supply chain issues for a variety of products and services, but it really points out the challenges that it takes to take a product to market. Because in addition to that retail outlet, you have to have somebody to be able to deliver it. You have to have somebody to be able to grow it. You have to have somebody to package it. You have all of the financial software that you need to account for it and administer to, to keep track of your inventory. So it's not like you can just turn a switch and an industry is up and running. As you pointed out, it takes several years to be able
0: to make that happen. And and, and just the impact from the employee perspective, 16 16- approximately 16,000 individuals in the state of Pennsylvania working directly for um, the dispensaries, growers, and the businesses that have been identified as related to the industry. Huge economic impact, particularly for workers who can only get paid in cash, right? Now. right. So um, one of the other interesting statistics that I found was the average, the, you know, the, the sales volume. You know, we're approaching or... To have approached one billion in annual sales in 2021, with growth projections by 2025 of two billion in annual sales, and I thought this was interesting. Might say something about our population in PA. We have one of the highest, largest average, largest average tickets of uh, consumer purchases at our dispensaries. 123 dollar average order. We're talking about significant dollars here. And that's translated into significant cash and nowhere for it to be put. That's right. So, which is really what, what we want to talk about today. So to kind of start it off, and, and and you're probably in the best position to describe this, what is the current issue that's creating this barrier between the traditional banking system and the cannabis industry?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, for your consumers, and you know, you've talked about this in the vault previously, um, you know, we have federal and state laws that prevent the bad guys from using banks and our financial system to be able to transact business uh, that's illegal, right? we We have set up rules in our country uh, to prevent, uh, money launder or, or money laundering for sex trafficking, for prostitution, for drug trafficking, gambling, you know, illegal activity, organized crime. Um, and we did that. It makes sense, right? I mean, we, we don't want the bad guys to leverage the power of the American economy uh, for nefarious purposes. Um, and, and more so, after 9-11, where we found uh, that, uh, you know, the bad guys were laundering money through our banks, our financial systems, uh, for, for purposes to, to destroy our country. And so there are a whole host of laws uh, at the federal and state level uh, that put the onus on banks to make sure uh, that the money that is deposited here in your institution and in others is clean, Uh, that it comes from legal purposes and that illegal purposes are not supported by our financial industry. Well, there's the trouble because under federal law, uh, the uh, cannabis and marijuana is still illegal. Uh, It's still considered under federal law to be a criminal enterprise. And so then the question is, how do you as a bank be able to transact business uh, for a market that was created by government you know here in Pennsylvania the state government said that there are medicinal purposes uh, that are uh that are ethical and and that are valuable for patients in our state and you know (laughs) highly regulated and so we want to make those available um and as a result they created an opportunity for entrepreneurs and others to be able to build up that infrastructure the problem is technically under federal law all of that is illegal. And so the frustration that we've heard from banks is, you know, technically under the law, if you had a cannabis dispensary in a strip mall, um, you know, technically the, the owner of the strip mall should have that loan pulled uh, because they are allowing an illegal enterprise to do business in their dispensary at the federal level. Um, if you work for a dispensary, um, how do you cash your paycheck? Uh, You know, they're getting paid in cash right now. How do you get a a home loan? Uh, You're working for a legitimate business uh, and you are providing a legally authorized product uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, but you are not allowed uh, banking services uh, for the, you know, because it's still uh, illegal at the federal level. And why is that? Why can't a bank just go ahead and, and just start doing this business? Well, banks are regulated heavily and that you are scrutinized year in and year out in making sure Uh, that uh, you, again, you have the dollars on the books that you say you do, uh, that you are transacting business the way you say you are, uh, and that you're uh, making sure that you have processes and systems in place, again, not to let the bad guys take advantage of our system. And that's where the challenge is. Because with all of that in place, it makes it awfully hard for Enterprise Bank or others uh, to be willing to take the risk uh, to be able to go out there and to do this type of business. And that's bad for the industry, right? Because the longer we delay in changing the law, the harder it is for this industry that has been authorized under government to provide this medical uh, uh, prescription to be able to to get up and running. And, and that's not good for anybody because one of the things you know in business, predictability and stability. You need to have uh, laws that can be followed and, and you can actually conduct business in a way that, that does, there is no uncertainty. There's a whole lot of uncertainty right now.
0: Well, you know, just from the practical perspective, I mean, we were involved early on when the investment dollars needed to be shown for the actual licensing by the state back after the, soon after the legislation was passed, the, the amount of the, the process for the application and the background checks and the vetting for all the principles and any business relationships that they had were more than any loan underwriting I've ever seen. So, you know, the due diligence is already being done by multiple agencies. It's just we have this state-federal issue. And you mentioned bank examiners and regulators. The two primary regulators for most banks are federal in nature, either That's the right. FDIC or the OCC. And then you've got you know, examiners at your state level that are saying this is okay. We're okay at the state, but at the federal level, we're still not. That's right. So, um, what you know, what what obviously has been happening, or what I've heard anecdotally from talking to some of our clients um, that that are involved in the uh, cannabis industry, even though we can't deal with them, those businesses directly, is they found other ways to skin the cat. And those other ways are not necessarily the most efficient, secure, or um, allow them to really uh, grow their businesses. There are a lot of societal pitfalls by not allowing
1: these uh, businesses to be able to, to bank. Uh, and, you know, let's go all the way out to, to the retail one that the consumer faces. And that is the fact that it's an all-cash business. So think about that. This is a prescription. Uh, so this is the only drug uh, that we uh, as citizens can be prescribed by a doctor where we have to pay cash for it like I can't use my my card uh, my yeah, credit card to trans back business it's part
0: of the restricted-
1: b- because it's illegal at yeah. the federal level so I have to use cash well the the business, they can't take that cash at the end of the day and put it in a bank because, again, it's illegal money uh, from an illegal transaction, even though it's legal in our state. Um, So you have huge you know, vaults, uh, safes in these stores where they're keeping the cash during the day. Um, Well, now you know where the cash is. (laughs) So uh, now you need to. Yeah. uh, You know, so we've seen uh, an increase in organized crime because these businesses need protection. Um, You have Uh, individuals with sidearms, which in some cities is a problem, right? You can't bring a firearm into certain cities and certain communities. um, And who's trained to use those? Um, And as well, um, you know, we've seen a lot of the smash and grab crime. I just read an article uh, where they were talking to one dispensary uh, where the bad guys literally jackhammered the safe out of the floor, uh, and stole the safe to take with them. Um, and not only that, uh, people walking in and out, consumers who the bad guys know are walking into that store with a whole lot of cash who are getting knocked off either before or after they go into the store, either for the cash before they go in or for the, the product when they're walking out. And outside
0: of the banking discussion, Kevin, how how likely is it for law enforcement to really get involved in those scenarios when they're dealing with the same conundrum the banks are?
1: That, that's exactly right. So we think uh, you know any lawful business activity uh, those entrepreneurs should have a, they should have available to them the service the banking services of, of our industry uh, because it just makes sense uh, that you know we've said as a state that this is a lawful in- industry uh, and that you know all work has value. And so if you work in that industry, you should be able to set up an account, you should be able to take a deposit uh, of your paycheck, uh, you should be able to get a, a home mortgage, if, if you want to do that, you should be available, you know, av- it should be available to you to do that. Likewise, you know, we again talked a minute ago about that, you know, the, the, the dispensary in the uh, strip mall. Um, likewise, a plumber should not have any fear of retribution by going out to a call uh, with a leaky pipe in a cannabis dispensary and fixing it and now finding out that he was aiding and betting a, a criminal enterprise. Now, again, those are extremes. But again, those extremes are in law. Those are the the uh, crimes that people are susceptible to. That You know, the times have changed. And so we need the federal government, um, or the state government, but definitely the federal government to to get with the times to be able to legalize a product that is now legal in forty-two states.
0: Yeah, and you know, with regard to um, getting with the times, just look at the supply chains for these cannabis. Businesses. How many of those supply chains are set up to accept cash payments? That's right. Uh, it just it it just puts wrinkles into the well, entire system,
1: and and it and it forces the entire industry and the entire process anybody who's in touch with it, to be to to be um, illegal, even uh, or subject to criminal activity. Even the federal government. Um, you know, we did some research. We talked to some Canada's businesses, and we were finding out the way that they get around it was they overpay their taxes. So you you know you're getting a lot of cash. You overpay your taxes. The federal government sends you back a refund check. Well, that money has now been laundered it by the federal government has cleaned the money. And so now you take that U S treasury check and you go to your bank and you can deposit it that way. Um, th- come on people like, why are we doing this? Um, I had, I had, there is a bank that I know who is in this industry. Um, they had a, you know, th- they had a, uh, the, the, the federal government came to them and said, you know, look, this particular business owner, this dispensary, you know, they they, they owe taxes. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we need you to cut that. Well, we, we don't do. Well, they gave them a special uh, permit to allow them in this instance to be able to cash that check in order to pay the government the taxes that are owed. Um, so we're going through all kinds of Uh, jujitsu with the law in order to uh, allow for this activity to take place? The simple answer, just pass the law to allow for this type of business activity to take place. You know,
0: you mentioned, you know, a bank getting special dispensation. There are banks that are are handling these. And quite honestly, I heard the credit union industry has stepped up um, to the plate in some instances to kind of fill the gap. But you know with regards to to the banks themselves the ones that are banking them have to basically file what's called a suspicious activity report and banking lingo the SAR with every transaction did a little research Two hundred and two thousand SARs needed to be filed by bank the banks that are dealing with these businesses right now i can tell you a single SAR takes a lot of time effort and money for a bank to process so it's creating this huge inefficiency at the banks themselves and i know not everybody's sympathetic to banks you know uh plight financially um but that gets translated into higher fees for the businesses to that really try are trying to use the established financial system well and
1: you know, to your point on the, you know, for, for the consumers on the, the SARS reports, I mean, that's the way we face it is, you know, when we get cash that when we deposit that check and we don't understand why that money isn't in our account. Right. I should be able to use that really big. Che- well, guess what? And, and it's not the bank's fault. There are federal rules in place that say if if there's a lot of money being transacted, we need, again, to make sure that it's you know the bad guys aren't involved and so that may be why it takes a little bit of time before the you know the check that you deposited in your account takes time to clear because that due diligence has to be has to be done um you know we bought a house uh, several years ago and you know I moved money from one account in another institution to this one well it, that took some time and i and and now being representing this industry dave i can say i feel bad you know cuz obviously i forced somebody to fill out some paperwork uh, you know when we made that transaction but, you know, that, that's why we've been advocating as an association. And again, we represent um, community banks. Why do they care about this issue? Well, because, you know, over half of all business loans in this country, small business loans in particular, almost 70%, are transacted through a community bank. Uh, that, uh, and that makes sense, right? We, we talked about it at the top of the hour. Uh, there is an intrinsic relationship between the community banks uh, that are located in in communities all across the Commonwealth uh, and the businesses that work in those communities you know the CEO at the bank you know he's probably the coach of the little League team or you know maybe supportive of uh, the local United Way or other charity or maybe be involved in a house of worship locally same with the business people uh, in that community so there is a trust level uh, that has been established that banker, uh, nose. Uh, the individual. So when a business owner, want, an entrepreneur wants to start a business, um, you know what? Maybe there are some issues that a big bank might ignore that loan, but the small business uh, may be uh, allowed the loan at their local community bank because of the relationship that those local lenders have with those borrowers. They're willing to take that risk. Uh, so, you know, that's why there's. it's so important that we change the law to allow this activity. And that my organization Organization, uh, we've been advocating at the federal level. We call it the Safe Banking yeah, Act, that's, that's, and don't, so don't you know the the Safe Banking Act um, would provide. We call it a safe harbor um, for you know those banks who do business uh, with the um, individuals who support the cannabis industry. So in Pennsylvania, um, you know we are we those cannabis related businesses that are part of the medical marijuana dispensary system and supporting that industry, um, they would be able to benefit from banking services um, and that they uh, would not be at risk. More importantly, the banks would not be at risk for banking them, um, even though it's still illegal at the federal level. Like this legislation does not change that conversation All it says is that real commercial activity, legitimate commercial activity is allowed. Uh, And again, there are provisions. Uh, There's oversight. You know, again, as you pointed out, the SARs, you know, the the due diligence isn't going to go away, Um, but there is, you know, a bank would not be penalized by an examiner. And that's another challenge that we have is, you know, many of the examiners have a lot of latitude. Uh, In the issues that they are grading and, and, you know, the enforcement uh, and the oversight, uh, this would create a standard level of oversight of of this type of activity, uh, which we think would provide a level of uh, surety. Uh, the stability that we were talking about, predictability, that more banks would be involved in supporting the industry. Because again, with with this uncertainty, with the unpredictability, with this all cash system, um, it really is hard for the cannabis industry uh, to be able to support patients in our state. Uh, So, um, you know, allowing banking of, of those services can provide surety to patients to know uh, that their prescriptions are going to
0: continue. So what is the status of, of that legislation? I, I understand it passed the House back in 2019, still hasn't been addressed by the Senate. What, what well, I tell going? you,
1: Dave, you, you titled this segment, uh, Let's Be Blunt. Um, okay. Talking about the legislation, we might want to title this segment Up in Smoke. Um, because really that that's what's happened. Um, you know, and, and what is striking about that is, um, every time this legislation has come up for a vote, there have been even more supporters, uh, but yet we still can't get it across the finish line. Uh, and it's a victim of its own success. In my opinion, there's federal legislation. Uh, it's been introduced, uh, by a representative Uh, Ed Perlmutter uh, from uh, Colorado, uh, who, again, Colorado has sort of been the leader in this industry, um, but that would, again, provide this safe harbor. Um, Here in Pennsylvania, uh, this legislation has been supported by federal members of both parties, uh, Congressman Boyle, Cartwright, Dean Doyle, Evans, Houlihan, um, Connor Lamb in this area has been supportive as well. Guy Reschenthaler um, and as well uh, Dan Muser, so you know uh, Susan Wild um, uh, and Rep- Congresswoman Scanlon. So there is broad bipartisan support for this right. and legislation. And What they're doing,
0: Kevin, is they're they're representing the interests of the of their or the thoughts of their constituents. I, I was doing some background research for this discussion today, and. You know, we're at an all-time high in terms of public sentiment. 68% of U.S. adults um, favor legalization of marijuana. And only 10% of U.S. adults uh, are against any form of marijuana legalization, even medical. That's the vast majority of the public wants this. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think, you know, representatives realize
1: that and especially in a state like Pennsylvania, where, again, state law has authorized it. And we've now seen industry develop in order to support it, the supply chain and all of the other industry uh, supports that we've talked about. Um, And so those representatives realize that they need to step in, in order to continue this to be able to continue to make this Um, work. Uh, Again, predictability, stability. Uh, And so, you know, but the challenge is there is a there, there are a couple of challenges. There's a much broader debate happening in Washington for a more comprehensive reform of uh, marijuana laws, uh, not only relating to this this particular piece relating to banking, but as well to allow for broad legalization of uh, recreational use or, or or other. But as well, there is a criminal justice reform component um, about you know you you have um, you know people who have criminal records who have served their time and can't get a job because. of of this. Even while we're now making it legal in states, these people still have this albatross hung around their neck. And so there are some legitimate um, reasons to do some of those other criminal justice reforms. And I think the challenge that we're seeing, or at least what, um, you know, Congressman Perlmutter has said, um, is that um, there is a you know there's a concern in washington i think um that if we do this if if we if we allow for the banking of cannabis then we won't be able to get any of these other reforms done and, and congressman pomerer makes a great point and he says this can be the icebreaker that we can do this demonstrate that this is a legitimate industry then we can have those other conversations and Um, it's created broad bipartisan support. Um, Even senators like Elizabeth Warren, who uh, maybe has not been as favorable or or has scrutinized the banking industry, let's say, um, recognizes the value of the cannabis industry because uh, it's, it's legal in her state and recognizes the importance of having Uh, banking services available to the industry for the the challenges that I mentioned. Um, Again, the problem right now is the hang-up over this broader reform, uh, which is preventing this one piece to get done. Um, You know, if you remember and the viewers, uh, some of them old enough to remember that old I'm just a bill uh, cartoon, it's it's that bill in action. It's that that commercial in action where, uh, you know, you have to get, uh, you know, a majority in the House and a majority in the Senate to do it. What's extraordinary, Dave, is there were 321 members who voted in favor of this legislation in the U.S. House this last summer. Um, That's out of 435. That's a really strong number. Broad bipartisan support. Um, And in the Senate, um, we've heard that there is broad broad bipartisan support as well. So you would think if this came up for a vote, uh, there would be well over the 60 uh, senators who would be needed to support this between Republicans and Democrats. But again, uh, the fear is that if this is ha- if this is passed, uh, it won't allow a pathway for the other things to pass that's you know what that's bad in my opinion that's bad public policy you know let's get the pieces done uh and let the public policy evolve with public sentiment as you said the polling clearly shows uh public attitudes are changing on this issue but you know what let's not sacrifice the industry let's not sacrifice um safety uh you know by preventing
0: this piece of the legislation to happen and my understanding is there's a little bit of more urgency recently uh with Perlmuter uh himself which considered one of the champions of of reform in this area is not running for re- it, you know election. it's
1: interesting because uh you know following his comments you know he even went so far as to try and amend his uh language for the safe banking act into um, larger pieces of legislation, technically they call them omnibus legislation. One of those was the National Defense Authorization Act, and you're like, how can you do that? I'm not. That's a story for another show in the vault. Um, but in any event, he was successful in having this amended into that in the House, but it was, you know, uh, removed in the Senate or not addressed in the Senate uh, for the issues that I've mentioned and. He was very frustrated. You know, there clearly is a desire to, to, to fix the banking side, and there are real consumer protection reasons to do that. Um, and he went so far, the congressman, to say, you know, um, I might hold up something that somebody else really wants to in order to get this done. That's unfortunately the way Washington works. Um, but what's interesting is that the congressman has announced he's not running for reelection. So there really isn't any reason why he could hold back, Uh, you know, so there, you know, he as you know, in the articles that I've read, has already had conversation with the speaker about what are the things that the Senate wants uh, that are going to be coming back over for consideration in the in the U.S. House. And I think he's keeping his powder dry now, but I'm sure he's identified a couple of pieces that they really want uh, in in an effort to insert this now. At the state level, Dave, um, our association and the industry has said, look, this type of uncertainty, we can't we can't continue any longer. Um, If the federal if the state government has authorized us to allow for medical cannabis, um, you know, the banking system needs to be involved uh, and we need to make sure that we do this. In a, in a in a proper way uh and and one that's protects consumers. So, my association is looking at a state-level law that would provide the same protections, uh the same safe banking protections uh to banks in Pennsylvania that are transacting this business. Um we're using what we we're we're actually using the 10th Amendment of the Constitution. We're hanging our hat legislatively on that states rights provision within the Constitution. Uh, uh, and we're we're following the lead of some other states California was the first that when they legalized well they they legalized marijuana through policy uh white paper if you will uh, years ago um, and then number of states followed like Colorado and others. Um, eventually Colorado codified it and 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 as well California to allow for this type of activity so, We followed what happened in in California. And then we reached out to the regulators at the state level in California and as well to some banks to find out, well, how is this being viewed? Are you being harassed by federal regulators? Are examiners providing undue scrutiny what are you seeing are people honoring the state level protection and we found in the the places that have done this by and large they have and again if you're doing things legitimately that you have due diligence and you have proper protocols in place to do this um, then you're actually pre- creating a, a strong consumer protection um, so we're working in the legislature uh with we're actually working with all the financial groups you know you mentioned the credit unions earlier we're talking talking with the large bank trade associations, we're talking with the cannabis industry as well as law enforcement, um, and we're working with the district attorneys associations and others. We think we need to be transparent uh, about this process. And, and again, the desire is public protection, uh, not only to protect the money system, protect the rights of entrepreneurs who are in this industry, protect the supply chain, protect consumers. We think this is a good consumer protection issue. Um, so we'll see. We're, we're working with uh, lawmakers at the state level. Uh, we've had conversations with legislative leadership. Uh, we've had, had conversations with the Wolf administration. Uh, so we're, we're hopeful. And, and the other idea behind this is that if Pennsylvania, a state would enact a state law, the hope is that that would create more pressure on the federal government to fix this at the federal level. Ultimately, it needs to be fixed right. at the federal level. But if if the 42 states who have authorized the uh, sale of cannabis in some way uh, take this similar initiative, it's going to force the hand of the federal government to act as
0: well. Yeah. And so we think that that's good public policy. So so what... what can our listeners primarily small business owners what can they do to advance the cause either at the federal or the state level or both
1: Sure uh, you know you can visit our website uh, p a c b . o r g uh, where we have information available about um, cannabis uh, and safe banking, um, and we would encourage them, to, or your your viewers and listeners, to contact your state representatives. In particular, if you are a patient who is receiving um, medical cannabis uh, for whatever malady that you have, it's really important for you to have that conversation with your state representative or your state senator, even your member of Congress, to say, look. I need certainty. I need a guarantee that I will have have access. (laughs) That's exactly right. Because you know what? I can't imagine the fear that someone might face, particularly now, um, walking into a dispensary and having everybody who's staring at you know that you're walking in there with a wad of cash in order to pay for a, a legally authorized medication that's been prescribed to you. Um, you know, so I think it's important for citizens to get engaged and to continue the pressure, Uh, you know, the, the positive, the optimist in me, um, you know, we've seen a significant growth in the support of this legislation at the federal level. And I have to say, I've been very pleased in the conversations at the state level with legislative leaders as well, conservatives and liberals, because they recognize Pennsylvania has, has authorized this and recognize they created a marketplace they need to create the commerce system to transact business right. so this is definitely top of mind for lawmakers
0: and well. and you brought up a point that we'll end on uh, you brought up a point a little while ago you know this isn't you know money hungry bankers trying to create a new market i mean exactly. our experience here at enterprise has been we've had long-term established small business customers that now are serving the industry or um, have become involved in the, in the industry directly and we can't serve our existing clientele. Um, it's not about necessarily creating a new profit center for the bank. It's doing what community banks do, which is taking care of our, our market, our community, and, and servicing our clients.
1: And I got to tell you, the, you know, the bank CEOs that I've talked to, when you, when you ask them, what's top of mind that's keeping you up at night? You know, one of the issues that they talk about are their retail businesses that are putting new products on the shelves that have CBD or you know other, and, and thinking, am I supporting an illegal enterprise? Because there is no surety uh, in existing law that allows them to be able to do that. And so, uh, again, it, you know, we need to, we need to move forward. Uh, we created this com- market. We need to create the commerce system. Um, you know, we need a federal law to, to do this. Congress needs to act. Um, and if they're not gonna
0: act, we need to address it at the state level. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for all the, the work that you personally and the PACB does on behalf of community banks and the communities that we we serve. I'm sure there's plenty of other topics that we could talk about in relationship to community banking and and its effect in small business markets like ours. Anytime
1: you want Uh, to bring me back into the vault, I'd love to come.
0: And we'll be blunt every time. Thanks, folks.